Good afternoon, Marquette. This is the Sports Pen on ESPN UP WZAM Ishpeming Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you and delighted that you're with us. Hope your weekend's off to a fantastic start, whether you're making the trip somewhere for a Friday Night Lights contest. Either way, we're going to get you caught up on uh, everything that you need to know in the world of sports. Plenty to talk about. Uh, first and foremost, Cleveland Browns won a football game. Did you stay up late to watch that? Cleveland ended up winning football game. Uh, first time since 2016. Uh, 635 days exactly since Cleveland's last victory. Uh, so they get back into the win column. They moved to 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the season. Uh, you heard you know, on the Will Kane show just a couple of minutes ago, the second biggest night in Cleveland sports history behind uh, LeBron bringing the championship to Cleveland. How about that? Good for Cleveland. Who was, who was watching that? Be honest. Who was watching Cleveland win and you were cheering for the Browns? You got to be honest. How can you not in a situation like that? Unless, of course, you're uh, cheering for the Jets. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, apologize for what you're going through. Cleveland winners last night. Baker Mayfield looking like the real deal. I'll be honest. I wasn't a huge fan of Baker in college. And it was mostly uh, for stuff that had to do away from his performance. Um, he was definitely the most talented player in college football last year. But I love NFL Baker. I tell you what, that... Uh, the play call and the two-point conversion where he's the one who ends up making the catch for the uh, ties the game up. That right there sealed it for me. That moment, Cleveland sealed the ball game, and they were going to win. You know, there was no stopping them after that point. Uh, Terod Taylor's not going to get his job back. Hugh Jackson gave the political answer. Uh, you know, that's coach speak where after the game, he says he's got to go back and watch tape. He's got to evaluate whether uh, Taylor's going to end up being, well, first of all, healthy enough to start uh, in 10 days, or if Baker Mayfield is going to get rewarded and you're going to go with a hot hand theory, in which case, obviously, you have to start the former Heisman Trophy winner from Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Tyrod is a veteran. You know, he's been in similar situations like this before. He's got to understand it's, you know, it's a business thing. Uh, Baker's winning, getting results. Tyrod got a tie. You know, that's it, it isn't the same thing. Uh, you look at what Cleveland's done this year and where their season has been heading, where it could have been, uh, they should be 3-0 right now. It, not to get lost in the excitement of last night, the celebration of the fridge opening, the free Bud Light for Cleveland. They should be 3-0 right now. If they had a legitimate kicker all season long, you know, I, I feel terrible for Zane Gonzalez. I watched him at Arizona State and... Uh, following his career for a long time. I feel terrible for him, but they should be undefeated right now. If you think about it, they just make their field goals. They make their kicks, their extra points, what have you. The Browns are undefeated right now. How ridiculous is that? And I, I don't know that we've seen enough out of the young man, Joseph uh, you know, from South Africa. I don't think we've seen enough out of him to really know what Cleveland's going to be getting. Uh, in that kind of a package deal. So far, so good. I mean, he seems more consistent the small sample size we've seen, but so did Zane Gonzalez. So did uh, Robert Aguayo. Uh, so did Daniel Carlson. Uh, that's why all those teams went out and they got the kickers that they did. All right, so Cleveland is 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Better than the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 0-2. Guess when the last time Cleveland had a better record than Pittsburgh in the National Football League was November 2014. So almost four years ago, you get maybe three and ten months. The number one song on the charts at that time was Thinking Out Loud by Ed Sheeran. Let, let It Go from the movie Frozen. That was in the top 20 of the music charts. The last time Cleveland had a better football record than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers are a story in themselves because they are a dumpster fire right now. Antonio does not want to be there. Uh, Le'Veon, my number one pick in one of my fantasy football drafts this year, uh, is holding out probably until week 11. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is not what he used to be. Uh, he's got his own off-the-field issues that, you know, are still lingering. Uh, they still kind of haunt him. He's not 
uh, not gotten over those completely. Mike Tomlin's losing control of that team. You know, it's a volatile situation in Pittsburgh, a, t- a team that thought they could go on to at least get to the Super Bowl this year. They fully expected to be hoisting the Lamar Hunt trophy at the end of this season as the AFC champions. And it's a must-win this weekend. They have to go up against Ryan Fitzmagic. And it is an absolute must-win for Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football. Sticking with the NFL, Darius Slay, optimism that he may play this weekend. And for Lions fans, that could not be better news. You know, they desperately need him back in the worst way. Detroit is another team that if they didn't play in that division, I would still feel, not confident, but I would still feel comfortable in thinking the Lions had a shot at getting to the postseason. And to have any shot... They have to win this weekend. They can't start 0-3, not in that division where Green Bay is probably going to make the playoffs and Rodgers stays healthy. Minnesota is certainly going to make the playoffs. Chicago, and maybe, you know, who knows? Chicago might be in the thick of things uh, by the end of the regular season. Detroit absolutely has to win this weekend. Matt Patricia is a defensive-minded coach. The defense has been when they're, where they're lacking this season. Uh, Stafford, the offense, you know, they're not putting up uh, eye-popping numbers through the first couple of weeks, but they're, you know, doing enough to win ball games. Uh, so in that sense, I think the defense is where Detroit needs to step up big time. That's where they should be accelerating big time. The only problem is they're going up against Patricia's old team, uh, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. So even if Darius Slay is back in the secondary, that's a tall task. That is a tough cookie uh, to try and order. Oh, let's see what else we have among Detroit sports. Uh, The Tigers, how about the slugfest last night? Uh, They were a part of with Kansas City. 11-8, the Tigers end up winning that ball game. The two teams got off to a hot start early at Comerica. They combined for 14 runs before they recorded a combined 12 outs in the game. You think about that. The two teams had 14 combined runs before the second inning was over. They had 26 total hits in that ball game. Two teams that are not going to make the postseason. Two teams that uh, very well have a shot at losing 100 games. At least they both could end up doing that here by the end of the regular season. Uh, they play again tonight. Francisco Liriano going up against Ian Kennedy. Those two pitchers have a combined seven wins this season. But Tiger fans can be optimistic. They have had a team of nobodies for a long time. A team of uh, guys that... You don't know, uh, you know, Melky M- M- Miguel Cabrera. He said he doesn't even know a lot of his teammates' names, and that's kind of gotten to the point where the Tigers are. You ask them to name any player on that team besides Iglesias, Victor Martinez, and Miggy, and what can you do? Well, a lot of Tiger fans are going to be able to name Christian Stewart after last night. 24-year-old rookie from the University of Tennessee. Two home run game last night. He drove in six. Six of Detroit's 11 runs came off this guy's bat. Where did he come from? He burst onto the scene. Got the start in left field last night. Batted second for Ron Gardenhire. I don't know. Detroit fans are certainly going to look to him to be a bright spot. Is he going to keep putting up these numbers for the rest of his career? How long that may be? I don't know. Nobody knows. But you can be sure that the Tigers are going to are going to promote the daylights out of this kid because when you have a bad team, which the Tigers do this year, 90-plus losses bordering on possibly 100, that you've got to promote optimism. That's how you keep the fans engaged. That's how you keep them spending money is you've got to have optimism for the future. You've got to invest in your farm club and say, oh, we got talent coming up. We may not be good right now, but we've got the right guys coming up. Does Detroit finally have that with the Stewart kid, with maybe a few of the other guys they're surrounding him with? Uh, you know, with the guys like uh, Lugo, um, Jones, you know, the guy, Mikey Matuk even. Uh, he's starting to come into his form. Does Detroit have the kind of guys around them where they could, and they're not going to be kings of the central again next year, and they're not going to do it anytime soon, but they can be a competitor again. They can kind of be a contender rather than a pretender. Uh, do they finally have those guys? Are the questions uh, the fans are going to want to answer. The front office, whether they believe it or not, are going to promote it like they do because the fans want to keep people interested. They want to keep the seats filled. They want to keep uh, promotions uh, revenue going high into the off season. All right, with that, we'll go ahead and take our first break. We'll come back. We'll get into a little more uh, discussion. Few uh, Some news going around around baseball today regarding the Rangers and the Cubs. We'll be talking about that. 
All that and more coming up. Uh, this is the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops, hope that you're having a great afternoon on this Friday. Uh, on your way, maybe to watch a little high school football, what have you. Whatever it is, we're glad that you're listening on the Sports Pen, whether it's uh, on ESPN-UP on your AM or FM dial, or it's on the ESPN-UP mobile app. Well, looking around uh, Major League Baseball today, there was... Uh, some sad news, uh, you know, if you're a Texas Ranger fan, maybe it's good news. Jeff Bannister, the 2015 American League Manager of the Year, let go by the Texas Rangers today. He's a guy that signed under contract through next season, uh, but he's coming off what is going to be his second straight losing season. Uh, so with a week and a half left to go, the Rangers front office makes the decision to let Bannister go. Uh, despite winning manager of the year three years ago, it was not enough to save his job. Now, granted, he plays in a ridiculous division in which the uh, uh, defending world champions played in. They won it last year. Uh, they play in it this year. And in my opinion, uh, they are the best team in baseball this year. They should win, uh, repeat as world champions this year. Nonetheless, Texas is 31 games behind them as the decision is made to go in a different direction. Uh, Bannister took over Ron Washington, who got him to the World Series, but could not win it in either trip there. Uh, so Bannister leaving because he wasn't able to have success with a talent uh, pool that's very young. A lot of new bloods there. Um, you've had guys like Elvis Andres and uh, Roughnet Odor for years. Uh, and, you know, they're not getting any younger, and certainly Adrian Beltre's not. So you look at some of the young talent they have on this team, guys like uh, Ronald Guzman and Jurickson Profar, and Texas, the front office, wants to win right away. Uh, they think this is a good enough group where somebody, uh, assuming not Bannister, would be the guy who can press the right buttons and make this team go to work. Uh, unfortunately for Bannister, you know, they, they're going the different direction. They're not patient uh you know to wait this out and maybe it's going to work out in texas favor it, you know it's one of those things that uh you can only wait and see however if i'm texas i'm out there looking for names like joe Girardi. i don't think he's going to take it but he's a guy that i'm you know might reach out to i think dusty baker is going to be a guy that uh is going to get his name thrown into consideration john farrell uh he's looking for a job right now uh there are plenty of these guys that could be drawn to the Texas job. Um, you know, certainly guys that are on a coaching staff right now, uh, maybe as a bench coach that are looking uh, for a situation like this. Uh, no decision yet regarding whether this is going to be an interim basis or whether, uh, you know, they're going to go out and have a managerial search at the end of the season. I think uh, they it would be who of them to do so, at least go out and search, see who's available. Uh, you know, among other organizations. So Bannister is out as the manager at Texas was just reported earlier this afternoon. Also, the Chicago Cubs putting Addison Russell on administrative leave. Uh, he has been under investigation for domestic assault since 2017. Uh, but uh, his former partner, uh, who's making the allegations, coming out with a, you know, a tell-all book uh, description of uh, the events that transpired against Russell, and he has now been put on leave. And, you know, it's a it's a tough situation whenever something like this, uh, you're involved with a situation like this. Uh, certainly, you know, a sensitive situation. They want to make sure they get this right. Um, it's kind of like the situation Pittsburgh, the Pirates had a couple of years ago with Jung Ho Gong, uh, you know, the talented shortstop that they brought in from Korea when he was pegged for sexual assault and has not played since. Uh, you know, people were very high on him. Russell is in a situation where he was fighting for his job anyway. I think he was the odd man out with Chicago getting Daniel Murphy. I think just for the fact, off the field issues aside, Javi Baez would move over to the shortstop spot. You'd keep Murphy there. That's a very talented, congested infield they have at Wrigley. And Russell certainly, there's just not the room for him right now, especially with David Bodie becoming a legend in Cubs' eyes this summer with a couple of walk-off home runs. Uh, and now they have Chris Bryant back. So where does Addison Russell fit in all this? He doesn't, especially with his off-the-field issues uh, kind of culminating, coming to a head. 
uh, in some ways, the Cubs are maybe going to save face by cutting ties with a guy like Russell. In any event, it's an unfortunate situation. Uh, we feel for all involved. We hope that uh, whatever happens, that everything has gotten right, justice is served. Well, the Tigers are going to remain with the infamous streak of having the worst regular season in baseball history. What was that, the 2003 Detroit Tigers season? Uh, the Baltimore Orioles flirted with it this season, but they're not going to catch it. They won uh, two nights ago, and they have uh, clinched, avoiding being the worst team in baseball history. Uh, the loss total for Detroit back in 2003, 117 games. So Baltimore, you know, if they want to take solace in the fact that their max you know, loss capacity is 115 or 16, whatever it is by now, fine, whatever. If you need something to, to feel good about this season, go right ahead. Uh, whatever the case is, it's not been a good year for Baltimore, was not a good year for Detroit. It is not a good year for Detroit right now, but they're thankful that it isn't as bad as what uh, transpired back in 2003. Going a little bit more local, we had junior varsity football last night. That was a fun experience for me. Got to call a junior varsity football game here on ESPN-UP. Brand new, you know, I had chances to talk with uh, Westwood's high school principal Dave Bowes, athletic director John Beckman, several of the varsity football players got an in-depth look at the athletic program, the football program specifically over there at Westwood High School in Ishpeming. Uh, of course, ESPN-UP, the flagship home for Patriot Athletics. And it was a good game for the Patriots. They end up winning 36-6. to Check out the article recapping the ball game on our website. Uh, they end up winning against Manistique last night. Shout out to Coach Hewitt and the guys. They moved to 3-1-1 and in the season. The Westwood varsity football team officially moving to 3-2 and two with the forfeiture win of tonight's game at Manistique. Manistique, once again, uh, the decision will be made next week regarding whether they will continue with their football season week 6 through 9. They've already forfeited three of their first five games this year. This is their second consecutive. Just 14 players on the roster. Uh, you know, guys haven't stayed healthy. Uh, whatever the case is, they don't want to move the junior varsity up. They'll talk about situations like that. You feel for the four seniors on that Manistique Emeralds team. Uh, you know, just a dicey situation, uh, whatever the case may be. Oh, when you look around high school football in the UP tonight, there's some pretty good games, especially just down the road in Ishpeming, uh, where you've got um, the Nagani Miners going up against the Hematites. That's got to be a fun game. Uh, Marquette, they're going out of the area to take on uh, Petoskey. We'll see how the Redmen end up faring as they've won their second straight. A thriller last week and a gutsy move as uh, they go for two in overtime against Escanaba and they come out victorious 36-35. to I talked with Coach Lahillier earlier this week and uh, you'll hear that interview again coming up once we sign off in the sports pen and you'll get the Friday evening coaches show. Don't forget, plug for tomorrow morning. We've got the Saturday morning coaches show. Get the recap on how all the area teams did. Hear from all five local coaches Saturday morning from 9 to 10. We'll recap that, throw in a little standings, uh, what the implications are given the results of the night before. One other area game is the undefeated Gwynn Model Towners take on Houghton. Houghton's a team that comes in at 1-3. and three. They've struggled a little bit this year, but uh, Coach Brown has not taken anybody lightly. Talked to him earlier this week, and he's excited to uh, see what his team can do. And hopefully uh, they go in 5-0 and oh against Ishpeming next week. Could be a battle of the unbeatens here in the Marquette area. Well, I tell you what, we'll take another break. We'll have more coming up here on the Sports Pit. This is ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Delighted that you're with us. Always enjoy it when uh, you tune into the Sports Pen. Let us know if you're listening, where you're listening. Reach out to us on social media. Be sure to like ESPN-UP on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN-UP. We're glad to have you. We appreciate your listenership. Everybody's been great up here. It's been a very welcoming community, and uh, I've definitely felt that everywhere I've gone. 
All right, looking into the NBA a little bit. Jimmy Butler and the whole saga going on there in Minnesota. Uh, Tom Thibodeau's trying to go with the whole rebuild of getting the old Chicago Bulls, a team that, in my opinion, if you did this five years ago, people would be talking about this Timberwolves team as good enough to win the Western Conference, that they could rival Golden State. I I still like a lot of the guys that they're putting together, but let's be honest, none of them are getting any younger. Uh, they're, they're guys who, a lot of them, their best basketball is behind them. They capped that off with trading for Luel Dang here uh, most recently. And I like Luel Dang, but he's not getting younger. His best basketball is behind him. And now you have a guy like Jimmy Butler, who's you know one of the star players for this Minnesota squad. It, he's one of the young ones, too, and he's one of the guys that they want to build around uh, and continue to be a force in the rest Western Conference. You know They're not going to make a run this season, but they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to be a team that... You know, it's not going to be easy to beat a team like that, provided they all stay healthy. Uh, they were supposed to be last year. They were supposed to be one of those uh, almost mid-major teams. You know, they weren't going to be one of the top three, but four to five, be the four to five seed in the Western Conference uh, once the playoffs rolled around. That was the expectation for this team. They end up sneaking in on the last night of the regular season as they beat Denver, and they get the eighth seed, then get bounced in the first round. So, yeah, they ended the playoff drought, but they didn't do anything there, and they didn't make... Uh, you know, what was their biggest move here in the offseason? Getting Luel Dang? I mean, they're not doing anything to contend, and the Western Conference is stacked. So in a way, I don't blame Jimmy Butler for wanting to get out of Minnesota. He wants to go to a place where he can win. He wants to get a ring. Uh, you know, and I, I'm friends with a lot of Timberwolves fans uh, having come from that area, and I know they're frustrated. They want to win. You know, they they've been abysmal for a long time and they want to have success in the NBA they finally broke the playoff drought but again didn't get a series victory didn't do anything this year to warrant getting a series victory uh and Jimmy Butler is on the verge of leaving so while Timberwolves fans are mad at Jimmy Butler I see tweets like send him to the Nets I hope he never wins a ring you can't blame him your front office hasn't done anything to gear up Minnesota to be a contender I mean they're looking, uh, you know, a lot of these Timberwolves fans are just turning off the TV and flipping over to the Vikings game because they want to see a winning team. You know, of course, you've got row the boat, you know, and they're winning right now, but conference play, uh, that's going <laughs> to it's gonna be a rude awakening for uh, the Golden Gophers. Uh, the Twins are terrible this season. They were another disappointment. They were supposed to be a 90-win team this year, and, you know, injuries... Uh, what have you. In my mind, injuries have been been the biggest thing. Uh, Lance Lynn pitched like he didn't want to be there. Irvin Santana, you know, played half the season, uh, if even that. Uh, Jorge Polanco played half the season. Uh, you know, we could get into a whole thing about the Twins. I will say, though, regarding the Minnesota Twins, what I don't think people are talking about for the reason uh, being the lack of success for Minnesota baseball this year has been the defense. I think their war has gone down. And I think a lot of that is because you look at the defense. Uh, Byron Buxton in center field and Jason Castro behind the plate. Neither of them have played after the 47th game this year for Minnesota. Minnesota upgraded last year. They were in the lead in the AL Central for a while, made the playoffs as a wild card team. They're going to finish second again in the NL Central, uh, AL Central, excuse me, but in all likelihood, they're not going to finish above 500. And I think a lot of that is due to defense. You add Jason Castro to the team last season. You put Byron Buxton as a consistent everyday player out in center field. Those are two of the premier defensive players in Major League Baseball. And you think about what the Twins did defensively last season. It was one of their best years as far as uh, fielding, fielding percentage and war, what have you. Neither of those guys are in the lineup. That certainly factors in. Castro, he was a he wasn't Kurt Suzuki as far as an offensive catcher, but he hit right about at the watermark for what you want a catcher to do. He was such an upgrade over Suzuki defensively. He called a great game. He made it very easy for pitchers to pitch to him. Uh, and the Twins just haven't had that this season. Mitch Garver is going to be a great catcher, but he's young. He's inexperienced. It's going to take a while for him to do it. Uh, Bobby Wilson, when they had him before being traded to the Cubs, he was a guy that pitchers like throwing to him. I mean, he was a good defensive catcher, but he wasn't an offensive guy, certainly not a speed guy. 
And now you look at some of the guys they're trying to put in there. Chris Jimenez, I like him a lot. I think there's a lot to like about him. But he's a journeyman backup catcher. He's never going to be the guy. He's never going to be the option that a team goes to. And Williams, Ostadio, he's showing he can make contact with the ball. And for a guy his size, he doesn't strike out. I mean, he he's a contact hitter. He's a legitimate contact hitter for a guy of his size. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think he's the answer defensively. I don't think anyone will be until Jason Castro comes back from Minnesota, who if they win out right now, they'll finish 500. They are starting a series with Oakland tonight, and it's, it's just not going to happen. Let's take a look around the MLB slate, though, and what's going on tonight. One game is already in progress, a Crosstown series, and I know a lot of people listening in are very much uh, paying attention to what happens in that ball game. Chicago visiting the White Sox. Cubs already with a one nothing lead after one inning. That's something Brewers fans are hoping White Sox can uh, come back and win, maybe win this series even. Chicago's trying to lock down the NL Central. Baltimore is visiting New York. Uh, you've got CC Sabathia going up for the Yankees. He goes against Jeffrey Ramirez. That's a 7:05 start this evening. Another 7:05 game. The Mets visiting the Nationals. Jacob Degrom going up against Joe Ross. Ross, a rookie. Uh, he's a guy that's just trying to, you know, make a name for himself. Kind of an audition for him. Washington's not contenders. Degrom, an all-star. He's one of the better guys for New York and one of the bright spots in an extremely disappointing season for them. 7:05 game, Milwaukee visiting Pittsburgh, and I know that there's going to be a lot of fans in this listening area tuned in to that ball game. Shashin going up against Nova, 14-game winner, pitching for the Brew Crew going up against Nova, who's 9-9, nine and nine, but that's a deceptive 9-9 nine and nine because he can be good any night of the week. 7:07, Tampa Bay visiting Toronto, and you've got Diego Castillo going up against Sean Reed Foley. Uh, Tampa is in desperate need of wins. They're putting together a better year than they should. They come in at 85 and 67 with just a, a very weak roster. Let's be honest. That roster they have there is flat-out weak. Uh, they desperately need a win, not just a win. They need a sweep this weekend over Toronto, and they're going to need a little help if they want to catch up uh, in the wild-card chase and hope to play their divisional uh, rival, the Yankees, here in a couple of weeks. Boston clinched the AL East last night with a victory over the Yankees. They visit Cleveland. How about the pitching matchup in this one? Chris Sale going up against Trevor Bauer in his return to the rotation. He gets... The American League East champion Boston Red Sox in the 104 and 49 record that they bring in to Progressive Field. Another 7-10 game. Cincinnati visiting Miami. You've got Luis Castillo going against uh, Wee Yin Chen. Cincinnati is an interesting team in the sense that they got off to just a terrible start. Got rid of, Bi of Brian Price. And then, all of a sudden, they started going on a run. They got as close, what, 15 games under 500 at one point, kind of by the All-Star break. And you get to the point where if they had fired Bryce in the offseason, they might have been a contender around the trade deadline. They might have been a team that was gearing up for a postseason run. Instead, they've kind of fallen back to mediocrity. They come in 22 games under 500. Miami, of course, has been a dumpster fire this season. It's going to be bad baseball. 7-10 aforementioned is the Kennedy-Liriano matchup between Kansas City and Detroit. 7:35 Philadelphia is at Atlanta. And you've got Julio Teheran going up against Nick Pavetta. Uh, both those teams are in the playoff hunt. Uh, Philadelphia certainly... Is, uh, is on the hot seat as far as their postseason contention, a lot more than Atlanta is. Braves still with a fairly comfortable lead in the division, but Philadelphia can change all of that with a sweep this weekend. It is a series where they absolutely must sweep. This is probably their best last uh, opportunity. 8.05, Seattle visiting Texas. Uh, you've got a Mariner team that's been disappointing here in the second half. They looked like they were primed to go on a postseason run. Their record's 84-68. and 68. They... They've far and away uh, probably done better than they should have with the struggles of Felix Hernandez taken into consideration. Nonetheless, doesn't look like they're going to be playing October baseball. They will play Texas, who is going to be taking the field for the first time without Jeff Bannister as their manager. 8-10, the Angels visit the defending world champion Houston Astros. Angels, how about them? They always seem to be right around the 500 mark as they are this year or right on the verge of playoff berth but seem to be one of the last few out. Uh, that's the case again this year. Mike Sosha, as long as he's been there, 
just isn't able to find the tools to win, and the Angels are not going to be playing in the postseason once again this year. They will send up Andrew Heaney tonight against Garrett Cole, 14-5, and his ERA at 288. That Houston rotation, plus the lineup they have, I think both of them uh, combined make Houston the best team in baseball, and if they don't win, they don't repeat as World Series champions this year, this season has been a disappointment. 8-15 for San Francisco at St. Louis. Madison Bumgarner uh, taking on John Gant. I think St. Louis will be a playoff team, but I don't think they're going to win the NL Central. Uh, they still definitely have the chance to catch Milwaukee and host that playoff game. Any advantage you can get in a one-game playoff is going to be huge. So, you know, St. Louis, this game is going to mean a whole lot more to them than it will to San Francisco. 9-40, Colorado visiting Arizona. You've got Herman Marquez going up against Zach Grinky, a couple of guys who have double-digit wins. Marquez with 12, Grinky with 14. Colorado is a team that is fighting desperately to get into the postseason, as is Arizona. So somebody's going to be knocked out this weekend. They could knock each other out if they if uh, if they go, you know, win two out of three. Whichever team is the one that does it, uh, it's probably going to have to be a sweep. Whichever team does it, it's going to knock the other one out. But if neither of them sweep. They're both, in all likelihood, knocked out anyway because they're not going to catch the Dodgers anymore. Colorado had their shot earlier this week. And uh, Arizona has just got to find a way to to just win some games. They're in a deeper hole than Colorado is. And as long as St. Louis stays hot, neither of them have a shot. So somebody has got to sweep this weekend. Then uh, the 10 o'clock game, you have Minnesota visiting Oakland. Jose Barrios, the lone all-star for the Twins this year, 11-game winner. He goes up against Liam Hendricks, who is 0-1. Minnesota still 10 games below 500 with 10 to go, uh, trying to get on a run against Oakland, who has took three of four from them already this year. Final game in the MLB tonight at 10-10, San Diego visiting the Los Angeles Dodgers. Ross Stripling is getting the start for Los Angeles. He is 8-4 and on the year, an all-star this season, took the loss in the all-star game he is facing off against five and seven eric lauer and san diego a team that has just struggled this season. they just flat out struggled uh 61 and 92 the dodgers have gone all in to try and get back to the world series and in my opinion they don't win it this year they don't win it they've missed out on their window of opportunity to do it because they've been so good for the past what two three four years that they've had enough talent to win it then and they haven't And if they aren't going to win it with the talent they have on the roster this year, they're not going to. And I credit Dave Roberts. He's done a fantastic job managing that team. The superpower that's on that team, there's so much of it. You've got all-stars that aren't playing every day. You've got, you might have the most talented, at least batting lineup. I don't know about pitching rotation or overall roster. I think position players, I think the Dodgers have the best uh, roster in baseball. Uh, but you look at that, and that creates its own challenges for a manager because you, those guys all want to play every day, and they're deserving to play every day, but you've only got a certain number of spots you can allow, and you're in the National League. You don't have the DH. You can stick one of those guys in. So you've got to keep all those superstars happy. You've got to keep them all performing well and in peak condition. But when you can, and you have the luxury of doing that, like Dave Roberts is doing, what a great spot you have for a pinch hit situation. It's not exclusively Kiki Hernandez anymore. Now you've got all kinds of weapons you can go off the bench and grab. Well, once again, in case you missed it, you must have you know, had to have been living under a rock here for the last 17 hours or whatever it is. Cleveland Browns won their first game since Christmas Eve of 2016, a 635-day span since Cleveland's last victory in the National Football League. They do it last night. A star is born in Baker Mayfield, the rookie out of Oklahoma Heisman Trophy winner last year. Terod Taylor gets a concussion in the second quarter. Baker probably earned it anyway. Uh, I don't think Taylor's going to come back. I think Hugh Jackson has to, just for the sake of his job even. Keep in mind, I I didn't like that Oakland fired him back in the day when he went 8-8 eight and eight after one season. But now you're at the point where your career coaching record, uh, first of all in Cleveland, his coaching record is 1-17-1. You couple that with his record in Oakland, and it's 9-25-1. That's fireable. I know you're working with the Browns. You worked with uh, an abysmal Raiders staff you inherited, and then you made them slightly better the next season. Uh, but a 9-25 and plus a one-tie record is not going to keep you a job for very long. So Hugh Jackson, I think, has to, for the sake of his job, put the ball in the hands of the hot hand, Baker Mayfield, uh, next week. 
Baker, by the way, he joins some elite company. You look at the other first overall rookie quarterbacks, uh, first overall taken in the draft, who have uh, uh, rallied for a 14-point comeback, led their team to a 14-point comeback. Uh, The only other ones to ever do it, John Elway, Matt Stafford, Andrew Luck, and Jeff George. That's pretty good company. Three of those guys currently in the NFL. Three of those five are NFL quarterbacks right now. It's a good list to be a part of if you're Baker Mayfield. And it's good to see for the city of Cleveland that it starts to come into fruition for what they have. Now you got to build on it if you're Cleveland. You've upgraded, we think, the special teams. Uh, you think if you had a consistent kicker, Zane Gonzalez, made his kicks at the beginning of the year, he'd still have his job for one, and the Browns would be 3-0, and as we mentioned earlier. But they went out and upgraded offensively, uh, getting a guy like Jarvis Landry. That was the thing with Deshaun Kaiser. He had his moments last year where he looked fairly good, uh, but he had no weapons. He didn't have anybody he was throwing to. Cleveland, I think, they uh, they made the clubhouse better by getting rid of Josh Gordon. Uh, you know, they gave him so many chances to get his life together, the offseason issues and everything. What's he played? He's barely played double-digit games since 2013 because of so many off-the-field issues. And as talented as he is, the Browns had had enough of it. I don't know if New England's going to straighten him out. Bilicek seems to get the most out of guys maybe with troubled pasts, uh, you know, so maybe that's the right spot for everybody. But I think at some point, the players who are there and who are coming in and working hard, busting their butts and uh, putting in the work day in and day out, they start to feel cheated is that the organization is giving so many chances to a guy like Josh Gordon. Uh, just because he's talented, they're willing to put up uh, with the screw-ups and with the headaches that he comes with. Uh, and I think the other players start to take offense to that. So then team says, we've had enough. We let him go. This is the standard we're holding Cleveland Brown football players to. And I think the clubhouse responds to that. I think Cleveland's strength, uh, strength coming into the season has been the defense. I, think, I still think they have a good enough defense where they could – uh, I, I don't know what to think of the uh, AFC North right now. Cle- uh, Pittsburgh is usually run the table there. They're not going to this year. I mean, they're just flat out not going to do it. That clubhouse is more cancerous than anything Josh Gordon uh, had put the Cleveland Browns through. Uh, you can never count on Cincinnati and Baltimore. You know, they're, they have their moments. They've got capable quarterbacks, not you know, quarterbacks who are going to consistently give you a chance to win and fight for the playoffs every single season. But, you know, they're guys who know how to get the job done. Uh, Flacco's got a Super Bowl ring, and he knows that he, he's on the hot seat. He has to be better this season with guys like uh, Robert Griffin and Lamar Jackson on the bench. And I don't know that either of those two are the answer, but certainly you got to give something a try. If you're John Harbaugh, you got to find a way to get back to the postseason. I mean, it's been... A disappointing last few years, ever since Baltimore won that uh, Super Bowl over Colin Kaepernick back around, what, 2013-14. They've been a disappointment. And Cincinnati's been the same way. They can get to the playoffs, but they can't win there. So could Cleveland do the unthinkable and sneak around a really bad AFC North division? If they do, the AFC North is going to have to be bad. You know, uh, it might be a situation where at at 9-7 and team, could make the playoffs from the AFC because the North is going to be that bad. So if Cleveland is going to have any shot at sneaking into the playoffs, Baltimore and Cincinnati are going to have to, you know, have bad years. Uh, I think 10 wins wins you the division. I don't think there's a question about that. Uh, I think a nine and seven team in all likelihood will represent the AFC North in the uh, postseason this year. It's going to be a one team division. Let's, let's make that perfectly clear. But Cleveland, could they really be a playoff team? If we can see more out of Baker like what we saw last night, Carlos Hyde ran the ball extremely well. Jarvis Landry, you know, save for a few drops, uh, Landry looked pretty good. Uh, at Cleveland, Cleveland receivers, they had a few crucial drops throughout the ballgame. But, you know, it's a growing process. Uh, I think they have a great tight end, the young man out of Stafford, uh, Najuku. I think they have a – they've got – tools in place to supplement an extremely potent defense. Again, they should be 3-0 and right now. Imagine if the Browns get to three wins here in the next two or three weeks. I mean, we're going to start talking Cleveland Browns 
in the postseason. How crazy is that? We'll take another time out. We've got more coming up here on the Sports Pen. You're listening to ESPN-UP. You're listening to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Dan Arum's with you on this Friday afternoon. Hope your weekend's off to a great start. Have a great weekend. Uh, don't worry, we're not going anywhere. we still got time. <laughs> still got a little bit more. Don't forget, coming up after this, you'll hear from the local high school coaches giving us their thoughts on their football games tonight. If you're traveling out there tonight, be safe. Weather was uh, felt a little wintry earlier today. Went outside around 2, 3 this afternoon. Felt like a little wintry mix. Too early for that. Haven't experienced my first winter up here yet, but I got a little taste of it today, and it could be a long one. <laughs> All right, uh, LaShawn McCoy, uh, he's come with his own off-the-field issues. And the Buffalo Bills running back, once again, uh, he's, you know, he's going up against uh, 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 situations off the field that are distracting uh, you know, people from his talent on the field. Uh, he's accused of domestic abuse and uh, aggressive behavior, not only by his ex-girlfriend, uh, but several uh, women have done it. And it's it's an unfortunate situation. Anytime you have something like that is, okay, that's, that's something that we're seeing uh, take prevalence all too often right now is assault in the home, domestic assault. And it's one of the worst things that, you know, as sports aside, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing and you denounce it heavily. Uh, but especially when it's a situation like with LaShawn McCoy, and you've got a Buffalo Bills team that is just terrible. Nathan Peterman was their starting quarterback here in week one, and you've got all these off-the-field distractions to deal with now. McCoy, he's kind of like the Josh Gordon of that team. They're at the point where they just got to, they almost need just need to cut ties and just start anew somewhere. Uh, Vernon Davis retiring at halftime, and now they get to go up against the Minnesota Vikings and that defense coming up this weekend. If there's a silver lining for Detroit, uh, excuse me, if there's a silver lining for Buffalo, uh, it's that Dalvin Cook is out. By the way, pick up Latavius Murray on your fantasy teams if you're looking for a running back. I did right before we got on air. And uh, and it's the fact that Everson Griffin is out. So this is a game that the Vikings should win on paper. That defense, I think, is going to be uh, is just going to be up in the face of Peterman, whoever is uh, going to be unfortunate enough to be starting for Buffalo that day. Once again, it is homecoming week here in Marquette at Northern Michigan University on campus. It's been a good day so far for NMU Athletics. Uh, the men's soccer team took the field for the first time as a top 25 program in Division II this afternoon. They lived up to their number 22 ranking as they thumped the Viterbo V-Hawks. 10-0 the final score. What a showing from the guys as Northern Michigan gets their fifth straight win and they return to conference play next week. The women are playing right now and they find themselves in a scoreless tie. So the women's contest tied right now, and uh, that's going on across the way here in Marquette uh, over at the stadium. Uh, don't forget volleyball, football, both are home tomorrow. Uh, football is, uh, of course, taking on the top offensive team in America, the sixth-ranked Ferris State Bulldogs, back end of the two toughest games of the year as football tries to avoid uh, getting off to a tough skid here early on. But they have a uh, wonderful day being planned on campus. Uh, just started a little less than an hour ago, about when we hit the air, is the screening of the movie Put Your Hand on the Line, chronicling the 1975 national championship team. Northern, of course, you know the story. Winless in 1974, go down to a third-string quarterback, come back, win the national title. Of course, that third-string quarterback going on to coach in the NFL and now uh, has a pretty prolific career as a commentator got rich eisen to narrate the movie so it's a uh, it's a great story something uh local and wonderful that they were able to uh, produce locally scott fury the director and uh they ended up uh screening it this afternoon on campus uh had maggie mahoney here in studio yesterday and she was kind enough to talk with us about it and uh, of course if you heard that interview uh she did a wonderful job and you know, it was a great story that they were able to do as they get the players back. Always a football reunion, she says, and plenty of those guys able to come back. And, you know, that's a brotherhood. If you're a Northern Michigan football guy, you're a Northern Michigan football guy for life. 
you know, that's not just something uh, that that you take, uh, you know, for a while and then <laughs> it's gone or you're done with it or anything like that. Uh, once again, high school football coming up tonight. You'll hear from the coaches coming up once we sign off. Uh, you got the five local coaches. They'll all be on with me tomorrow morning uh, starting at 9 o'clock for the coaches show. Be sure to tune in and hear how everybody did in the area. You've got four of the teams in our area that are in action tonight. Two of them are playing each other. Once again, Gwynn is undefeated. They're taking on 1-3 and three Houghton tonight. You have got Westwood getting the night off with Manistique forfeiting. So the Patriots move to 3-2. and two. They look forward to a good Hancock team coming to town next week for homecoming. And you've got Marquette taking on Petoskey. Marquette, winners of two straight. And then Nagani is taking on Ishpeming. Right? It's a big old rivalry game. Two storied programs. And again, as uh, per Twitter earlier this morning, uh, Ishpeming was kind enough to send that information over. The two teams have been, how good are they? How good have those two uh, football programs been? Their legacies. Last year was the first time since 1993 in which they each missed the playoffs. We'll take another break. We've got more coming up on the Sports Pen. This is ESPN UP. The Sports Pen on ESPN UP, the premier home for athletics. In Upper Michigan. Once again, Tanner Hoops with you. Hope your weekend's off to a fantastic start. Hopefully, we've had something to do with it. Uh, it's been a lot to digest here in this week of sports. Uh, plenty that's been going on. We had a few Twitter polls going on earlier this week, and uh, I wanted to reflect on that a little bit. Some of the, uh, some of what uh, you guys talked about as far as um, you know scenarios that we've given you. Uh, so we asked, who is your pick? For American League Manager of the Year, uh, you know, I, we talked about that yesterday or earlier this week on the show. Uh, who deserves it? Who are some of the guys that get it? I think Kevin Cash gets it, according to our listeners. Thirteen percent of you agree with me. The top two vote getters, we had a tie. Alex Cora of the Boston Red Sox, again hard to argue. Hundred four wins in his first season. Bob Melvin of the Oakland Athletics. Each of them got thirty eight percent of the vote. I mean those. Those two are very deserving guys. I give them a ton of credit. I think uh, those three plus Aaron Boone, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be hard picking three finalists out of those four because somebody's gonna have to be left out. And really, who's deserving of it? And that's tough. That's tough to come back and pick from. So uh, certainly, that's gonna be fun to watch as we keep an eye on it uh, coming up after the playoffs. Little postseason excitement. So then in the National League, who did you pick for National League Manager of the Year? This surprised me. You know, Craig Council is, in my mind, he's going to be one of the finalists. Uh, so we put him, obviously, as one of the options to vote for. And we're in Brewer country, so I thought, okay, maybe he'll get a little bit of the fan vote. Uh, people are going to want or think Craig Council deserves to win it. Craig Council did not win the vote. No, 50% of the vote, half of the voters, believe that Brian Snitker, of the Atlanta Braves is going to win manager of the year. So I don't know if that's uh, all you guys uh, being honest and putting favoritism aside or, or we've got Braves fans, you know, coming up here in Northern Michigan, uh, Wisconsin area, what have you, Brian Snitker. And uh, keep in mind, if he wins the national league manager of the year award, it's very well-deserved because what he's done in Atlanta has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Council was the second most vote getter. He had 38% of the vote. I put Mike Schilt as the third option, and then we had an other option. Mike Schilt got 0% of the vote, and other got 12. So Mike Schilt, no deserving for uh, manager of the year. And I don't think he's going to get it either. I'm with you on that, uh, simply because he's only been the actual manager for a fraction of the season. Uh, he's only been you know, in the managerial role uh, for half the year, and most of that was as an interim. So now I don't think he's, uh, he's going to be the guy. He might get in the consideration for it just because of what he's done in St. Louis this year. So those are a few of the Twitter polls we've had going on lately. Interesting numbers to see what's been going on. We'll have a few more of those going on. Uh, we were hoping to get to NL and AL 
MVP and uh, the races for that coming up today. We'll get to that next week. We're going to save that for next week. Those will be our next Twitter polls. Make sure that you uh, go ahead, get involved in those. Let us know why you're voting that way. Let us know you're listening to the Sports Pen. Once again, follow us on Twitter at ESPNUP, and uh, you can go on Facebook, get us from there. Make sure you download our app. Take us with you anywhere you go, even if you're out of the listening area. The ESPNUP mobile app. I I think I can safely say it has been the most used app that I've had since I moved up to the Upper Peninsula. It's one of those handy things. It's definitely going to going to be a game changer for you go back and hear on demand broadcast we've got the jv football game from westwood up there it's on on demand uh if you want to go back and take a listen to that hear the broadcast and uh uh do what you want with that uh again a lot of fun to be able to do that last night something new give the jv guys a taste of the varsity experience had a few varsity guys on headset and we really got inside uh the westwood program it'll be interesting to see how westwood is spending the night tonight uh they get a fall uh, Friday off. Uh, again, you can go back and check out the recap. It's on our website. It's linked to our social media, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, see how it happened, how it transpired. A 36-6 to victory for the Westwood Patriots last night on the JV side of things against Manistique. Again, the varsity football game tonight has been forfeited to Westwood. Manistique uh, will make the decision next week regarding the future of their football program for the final four games of 2018. Want to wish all the best to all the high school teams tonight and the Northern Michigan coming up tomorrow, homecoming Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you get out to the Superior Dome. You watch some football. It's going to be fun to see how that defense responds against a very potent offense. But you got a feeling Kyle Nystrom and company has got something up their sleeves. They always seem to come out in a big way and that was the focus from uh, talking with him Tuesday, uh, having his Tuesday presser. That was his focus, is that it's not going to be on homecoming, the festivities this week, as much as you want it to be for the students to enjoy it. Uh, you got to be focusing on what you're putting on the field, that production, because homecoming is just flat out more fun when you end up winning it. So once again, we're going to have the Coaches Talk show coming up here in uh, about three minutes once we sign off. Uh, you'll hear from the local coaches, play those interviews back, and get you ready for Friday night kickoff right here on ESPN-UP. A lot going on. We hope that uh, you've enjoyed the start to your weekend anyway and that you continue to uh, have a safe and fun weekend. Hope to see you out there tomorrow. Again, if you've got uh, local high school games you're going to, tweet us your photos wherever you're going to. Be sure to tag us at ESPNUP. We want to hear from you. We want to get involved with you because we thank you for being our listeners. We appreciate and love you. Well, uh, that should just about do it as we wrap up another, another episode of the Sports Pen. And another work week right here on ESPN-UP. I want to thank everybody who tuned in and hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed uh, bringing it to you. Don't forget a week from tonight, next Westwood Patriots football game as the Hancock Bulldogs come to town. They're a, they're a tough team to match up with, the kind of offense they run. It's going to be good football. It's a fun offense to watch. They come in for homecomings. You know it's going to be a good crowd over there in Ishpeming at Westwood High School. Hopefully you're going to be there. Hopefully you out there listening or, of course, you're listening on ESPN, UP, AM or FM or on the mobile app. Plenty to go around this week in sports. It's been a great week. It's been a fun week to discuss it. Sit back here and uh, hope to keep you entertained and engaged. I'm sure we're going to have a lot this weekend. Play to talk about Pray that there's no ties, no ties in the NFL this weekend, that we can keep football. Well, it's not pure anymore. Football's, <laughs> football's getting to that point. Uh, that's a different story. We can get into that next week. No ties this weekend. Wish your fantasy teams all the best. Wish you all the best in your weekend. Once again, signing off from Ishpeming, Marquette's WZAM ESPN Radio. This is Tanner Hoops. Good night, everybody, and have a great weekend.